This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff, and today I'm here with Aaron and Greg to talk about electronics on the mountain bike trail. Technology is creeping into everyone's lives these days, and so I was interested to talk to Aaron and Greg about how technology is being used on the mountain bike trail today. So we're going to go through a number of things from music to cameras to GPS units, and I'm going to start off with talking about music. Do you guys ride with music or headphones when you're on the trail? It's been years since I've done that, honestly. But the one time I've really enjoyed using music on the trail is like if I'm doing like ultra endurance training, like talking five plus hour rides, and especially on terrain I know and I'm not riding with anybody else, then maybe I'll use some music. But I love getting out on the trail and just like, you know, tuning into the sounds of nature around me and then getting time to like mentally process like my week or what's going on at work or, you know, in family life while I'm out on the bike, like some of my best thinking time. But I generally find once I've been out there for three or four hours, I've thought about everything I've got to think about. So I'm just done with it. <laughs> Greg reaches the end of his brain. <laughs> like, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I have solved all the world's problems. Time to listen to some music. Yeah, I'm like I'm like you, Greg. I definitely don't use music uh, typically on my rides. I say same thing. Like if I'm riding, if I'm doing some training, if I'm riding somewhere where I'm just going to be doing laps and it's really familiar terrain and maybe you know, bordering on boring, then I'll bring some music along. But yeah, if if you're riding with other people, that's pretty antisocial to have headphones in, I think. But if I'm riding, you know, if I'm riding solo on, you know, a trail, you know, in North Georgia, somewhere that's more remote, I'll definitely uh, not be listening to music because I want to hear, you know, maybe there's a bear around the corner or (laughs) a deer, you never know. So it's best to have your, your ears, uh, free of things plugging them up yes and another thing that yeah not a lot of people use fortunately but way more annoying than headphones are these like bluetooth speakers and i know that people do use them on the trail not a lot of people fortunately we've actually reviewed a couple of these items one of the things i reviewed was i think it was called like the boom bottle and it was like a, a speaker you could put in your water bottle cage. Like, how annoying is that? But yeah, so that's something people are doing. I was talking to some guys about this recently, and uh, we were trying to decide, like, what's what's the one kind of music that you could, you know, be playing on your boom bottle and not annoy everybody around you? And the best we could come up with was reggae, because when you hear reggae, everybody just, like, relaxes and is like, <laughs> oh. It's cool. This guy's just chilling. He's he's harmless. That's a pretty good call. I would say maybe like some you know classic rock. That's pretty. Uh, <laughs> everybody can get behind yeah. some classic rock. It'd have, I to think. Be, it'd have to be real classic. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I haven't seen that many people uh, with Bluetooth speakers, but I have seen a you know I have seen a handful. You know, I, that's not really my bag necessarily, but it doesn't bother me too much either. I guess because if you can hear them coming, and then like. You know, as soon as they're 20 yards past you, you're not going to hear their speaker anymore. So, 
Yeah, I know. I, I know. I've seen on a couple of the reviews a lot of comments, people being like, "Oh, I'd punch that guy in the neck if I saw him <laughs> riding trails playing music." But I mean, I guess it's better than having you know. You can still hear. Yeah, it's safer. It's safer for the rider. Right. It seems. I've seen more equestrians and hikers with Bluetooth speakers than I have even mountain bikers. Yeah, I haven't seen that on a horse. That'd be awesome, man. You could carry some big-ass speakers on a horse. <laughs> yeah. I saw in uh, – this was in Los Angeles. I saw a horse on uh, one of the most popular trails, like which basically starts right in the city. And the dude was cruising along with some speakers on, blasted from his iPhone – and like iPhone external speakers, I was like, all right, man, you do you, you know? I was like, this is a really weird sort of situation right now. Um, so yeah, it was intriguing. Did he have rims on his horse too? <laughs> Dang. I'm trying to, man, this was a while ago now, but yeah, I just always stuck in my mind as a very unique situation. Only in California. <laughs> okay, moving on. So GPS. Do you guys use one at all? And if so, do you use like a dedicated GPS or just smartphone? Well, I used a GPS for a long time. I had an older Garmin Edge 305 and I used that thing forever. I broke it several times and got refurbished units from Garmin because they're actually really good about that. I think it was, I don't know, 50 or 70 bucks. So I went through about three or four of those. And finally on the last one, it just, uh, it started eating my rides, which was, pretty annoying to especially if you're going on a a really long ride and you go to upload it and there's no file there so that kind of got put in a drawer and I used my just my phone for a long time but when I started training seriously this year I wanted a you know something a little more robust I guess so I got a Garmin Edge 520 which is their one of their newer models and uh Actually, I have a review on the site up pretty soon, but I've been using that for I don't know, probably four or five months now, and I've used it almost every ride in place of my phone. I like I like having it. You know, it's it's super small. It fits right on the on the stem or the bars, and you know, then you don't have to worry about you know starting Strava or whatever. It's just all right there in front of you. Yeah, I also used my phone for many many years um, alone, but I got a Garmin Phoenix Three GPS watch about a year ago, and I've been using that thing religiously. Uh, one of the things I love about that is uh, I just start it when I start riding. I stop it when I stop riding. And then I worry about all the Strava stuff like when I'm back home at my desk, you know. So pretty simple and non-intrusive. Yeah, I'm like Aaron. You know, I started out using the Edge for a long time. Actually, I started I started riding with a GPS in 2001. Ooh. Yes, so 15 years ago. For your time. Yeah, that's took right. Double A batteries probably. It did. It did actually. And and the handlebar mounts were ridiculous and the GPSs were big, but man, it's been 3 4 years since I've used a jet- dedicated GPS on the trail. I'm smartphone only. Um, just cuz it's so much easier, you know, if you if you do use Strava like it's already in the app. There's no like uploading or syncing or anything that you have to do. But something you said, Aaron, too, made me realize how much like we, I don't know if the word is depend on our GPSs, but I'm the same way. Like if I say I have like a really awesome ride and I'm like killing it and I had had a lot of fun, I get back to the car and then I realize like, oh shoot, I forgot to start my GPS totally bums me out and it's like that's that's terrible like that means i must be addicted or something because it shouldn't be that way it shouldn't it shouldn't matter but right it does yeah you want to have those stats right yeah 
you got to – so, yeah, it, it definitely is frustrating. And it, it, it's kind of like the last draw for me was doing the Transylvania Epic or no, maybe it was actually no, it was BC bike race two or three years ago, and you know I didn't have any way to upload it on a daily basis, so I was just saving the rides from each day, and you know that's a week long race. And when I got back, finally got back to, you know, back to Atlanta and went to upload all my rides from the BC bike race, it only had the first two days, and the last five days were gone. So that was that sucked, you know. It's like I don't, you know, I had to input manual rides of the. GPS trace or it didn't happen. Exactly. Yeah, I totally geek out like about logging all the maps of my rides like everywhere I go. And there have been a few times where like, uh, well, the one issue I have with using Strava on my phone, maybe it's just my phone because it's older, but like I'm using Strava and then I go to the home, like my lock screen and swipe up to take a photo with my phone and I don't like log in and reopen Strava. Sometimes it'll quit recording for me. And I'll lose like a block of my like ride. And so I've totally like noticed that like three miles later, be like, oh crap, I lost this chunk of trail. And I've like turned around and gone back and rewritten it just so I had a <laughs> oh, wow. GPS track of it. <laughs> so that's dedication. Yeah. Well, dedication or taking it too seriously, maybe. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you really can get away with just using your phone these days unless there are, you know, certain things that you want out of a gps or you don't want to take your phone with you or maybe you don't have a smartphone or whatever but i mean i I like the garmin because you know i can i can see my cadence i can see my heart rate and stuff like that if i'm really doing like specific interval training and stuff like that so it's it's great to have for that that kind of stuff all right next item on our list what about cameras talking digital still cameras and also pov cameras what do you guys usually bring on your rides well yeah i mean so for work i'm always carrying a camera and i've used many types of cameras for many different things over the years but simply i'll just talk about my newest camera i've been really trying to dial in my kit and get it as light and as a compact as possible and carrying a big dslr is tough for that and my DSLR was quite a few years old. So I ended up getting a Sony RX100M3 compact camera recently. And the beauty of this camera... I said it's Mark III, so it's the third. Mark III. Yeah. Sony RX100 Mark III. And this thing is sweet. Like, it's it's super compact, very small, and it shoots way better photos than my previous DSLR did. Both stills, action photos, ridiculously fast, like continuous shoot mode, um, a stupid amount of options I still haven't mentally processed yet. Um, so I'm pretty pretty stoked on this new camera for sure. Yeah, that thing takes awesome pictures. I think it's got a fairly large sensor. I think it's a one-inch sensor. So very cool camera. Definitely uh, one I'm looking at getting somewhere along the line. You know, occasionally I'll use a POV camera, but for me, I think they're it's more of a pain in the ass than they're worth. You know, you have to carry the thing. You have to make sure it's charged. you got to you know, have all the little mounts for it, you know, and then the footage is rarely as ever as exciting as you think it is in your head. You know, you think you're hauling ass and then you get back to your computer and you're like, oh man, this trail looks flat and boring and lame. You need to speed it up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then you have to edit it. You know, that's, that's the other thing. A lot of people don't really factor in. That's why all these people get get pov cameras and you go out and you use them for a few times and then you realize that oh yeah i have to actually do something with this footage 
and you realize that takes a lot of time and then your camera just ends up staying in a drawer. I mean, I know so many people with, you know, GoPros or whatever who just don't use them anymore because nobody wants to see, I'll say this, everyone out there, nobody wants to see a 15-minute POV video of you on some trail. Nobody even wants to watch their own. No. Right? I mean, they record it and then you don't even want to watch it. That's why you don't even want to edit it. Yeah. So unless you're a real badass, you know, chances are your footage just isn't that exciting. And I'm not saying that's because you're not a good rider or anything like that. It's just, that's just how it looks, unfortunately. And, you know, it, if you're not using some sort of what gimbal-type mount like uh, Nate Hills, who we had on the podcast recently, uses, your footage is going to be shaky. It's just not, it's just not that awesome, unfortunately. I do use them for stills because they can be kind of convenient, you know, compact carry if we're, you know, like when we're out at outdoor demo during interbike and we're riding a lot of bikes and we need to get action shots and, you know, you're out there by yourself, it's, you know, sometimes easier just to use the, use a POV camera. And if I do use one for POV footage, I do prefer the chest mount. I think that's generally more interesting to me than the, than the helmet mount. I think the helmet mount really just flattens things out and makes it even less exciting in terms of still cameras i I carry a nikon one series camera it's it's pretty small not quite as small as the the sony that greg has but it's light i can fit it in my bag really easily i've actually got a top tube garage from the bike bag dude It's, it's a bike packing bag and that fits right on the top tube behind the stem and the camera fits in there along with like some snacks and stuff so it's pretty handy to have you know just one zipper and boom the camera's out so you don't have to worry about taking it in and out of your your pack which is really nice yeah it shoots really fast it's got really fast shutter speed can shoot in raw so i can go back and edit the photos afterwards so uh yeah definitely i mean at least for us i think you know having a, a nicer camera is kind of part of the job but i think for most people you're you know just having your cell phone with is going to cut it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm using my smartphone more and more on the trail. Like Greg, you know, for a long time I was carrying my DSLR and I still do for, you know, big rides or if we're like shooting products or things. But, you know, I found the iPhone, I have the newest generation iPhone and the camera on it is really, really freaking nice. And it's so easy to use too, like way easier than, you know, dialing in all the settings and stuff like you just pull it out of your pack snap a photo and it's going to turn out pretty good and then also i'm using it for video as well obviously not like pov stuff or mounting it to the bike i have tried that and it is just as shaky or more than a gopro but more of like you know stand on the side of the trail and you know film your buddy coming down iphone works great for that i mean then it looks way better than a gopro too like the colors are better it doesn't have the crazy like fisheye effect so i'm a big fan of using smartphone for video and photos and then there's also even the slow-mo thing which is kind of cool so yeah the yeah new, the, new iphones are nice they're only gonna get better too right so right yeah pretty sure I'll, pretty soon all you'll, all you'll need is your your smartphone so, you know i thought that too like soon all you're gonna need is a smartphone but like the cameras like the standalone cameras just keep getting better too like that's what kill me when i got my new camera i was like wow this is better than any camera i've ever used before you know and i'm still staying a little bit ahead i don't know if we're ever going to see the the camera phased out by the phone no i, th- I think they, they are killing like the entry level point and shoots though you know, oh, you, yeah, you don't really sure. see like like the little canon elf for instance those aren't 
probably flying off the shelves. Yeah, like if you're not shooting photos for work, you know, if you're just like cruising the trail, yeah, it doesn't make sense to drop seven hundred to a thousand dollars on a camera. Yeah. Okay, next up on our list, we got lights. So do you guys what kind of lights do you have for mountain biking at night? Bright ones. Cause that's what you need out on the trail. I've used Night Riders stuff for a long time. I mean, even before, you know, working here and getting some of their stuff in for testing. Uh, I've been you know, been a big fan of their quality. But I've I've tended to I you know, I had one of the big battery pack style lights where the battery pack is separate and then you have the light head. And while those are really bright, it's kind of a pain in the ass dealing with the, the cord all the time, like either having to, you know, have the battery pack in your jersey pocket and trying to route the cord up under your jersey and through your helmet or if it's in your pack then, you know, trying to take your pack off mid ride can you know, and you forget the cords there and you're yanking your helmet off your head. It's just can be a a bit of a shit show so i prefer the self-contained units where the light and the battery are one thing and it looks you know looks like your standard flashlight basically all the companies are doing those now uh you know knight rider has the lumina series light and motion has the taz as well as the sobe i think is another one they have and we just cat eye just sent us some lights uh last week actually and it's a cat eye volt, and again, same deal, like self-contained unit. But yeah, I, I like to run two lights. I like to go one on the helmet, one on the bars, whenever possible. But uh, yeah, that's that's my take on lights. I don't know if I've got much to add to that. That's pretty comprehensive right there. Yeah, and like like a lot of the other electronics we've talked about, the lights just keep getting better and better. You know, the self-contained lights that Aaron's talking about are just as bright as those like battery pack corded lights were a few years ago. So a lot of those, I think the cat eye ones, like 1200 lumens, 16, they sent 1600 lumens, 800 and a 1600. So yeah, I mean, that's my, my older night rider, uh, I think it was the race, the pro race or whatever. It's, it's a few years old now, but it was top of the line when I got it and it was 1200 lumens. So this is, even brighter and the battery lasts just as long even though it's self-contained so it's yeah like you said they're just getting better and better i remember when the first self-contained units came out and they were you know a couple hundred lumens which was okay for like commuting but not really suitable for riding off-road at least at any kind of speed so they've definitely gotten a lot better a lot brighter and you know to the point where they've kind of made the battery pack separate style light almost obsolete at this point yes indeed okay maps so do you guys use do you guys prefer paper or digital maps i prefer paper uh, well it depends on the map maker i prefer a paper map from a quality map maker but i usually bring digital as well i used to usually bring both since i'm carrying my phone anyway right but but generally, paper is my primary go-to source, especially with, like, I've got a frame bag. It's got a map pocket. Like, it's so convenient. You just stick the map in there, whip it out when you need it, and uh, it's pretty slick. It's hard to get the level of, like, detail and sort of scope and context for the terrain around you in a digital map. But I do use digital if I need to, like, plot my exact location or maybe I download digital maps for like a place I haven't been able to buy a paper map for yet. Um, so that's also convenient, but it's hard to replace paper. I just wing it, man. Who needs a map? <laughs> you just ride. 
ride till you run out of water and then find some water and ride back. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm like Greg here as well. I, I prefer paper. You know, it's a lot easier to have a stash of paper map where you can access it easily. And my, if I carry my phone on a ride, it's usually on a big ride where I'm going to need a map. It's usually like buried somewhere in my pack safe away. So I don't want to be stopping and digging through my pack to get it out and then you know you sweat all over the screen and then the touch mechanism doesn't work right and it's real frustrating so yeah it's easier just to have a paper map yeah i agree i think that is one of the reasons i rarely use digital maps because yeah i mean you gotta like pinch and zoom and when you're sweaty or you got gloves on like it just doesn't really work very well and then there's like greg said the whole you know idea of like context and being able to get like a a bird's eye view while at the same time, like being able to see details. Um, yeah, it's really hard to compete with paper. I'm interested to, to know though, how I guess younger people see it. You know, I, I'm not sure if Aaron and I are both in our thirties, Greg, I don't think is quite there, but, but yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not like, yeah, super young guys. So maybe, maybe it's just cause we're old and we're used to paper, but yeah, it is. I mean, it, there just do seem to be so many advantages to paper maps that, yeah, maybe we won't get into them, but paper maps don't run out of batteries, and you can view them in direct sunlight, and <laughs> cetera, you can sweat on them. Yeah, but not too much because I've I've had plenty of those like eight and a half by eleven, you know, printed things oh, yeah. off the computer that I like put in my, <laughs> put in my pocket, and then I pull it out, and it's just like the whole thing just falls apart. That's, yeah, that's why I said like a quality map from a quality map maker. You know, like waterproof, tearproof, like mileage markings you know high detail like that's the sort of stuff you need like even the most of the national you can get some national forest maps that are waterproof tearproof but usually even the national forest maps like the detail of the trail markings like isn't good on the map like lots of times you can't tell if it's bike legal or not which you assume the forest service would put on there but right they're actually really bad about doing that <laughs> right so um yeah it totally depends who made your map yeah well, here's a pro tip, though. You can actually buy waterproof, tearproof paper that works in like a regular laser printer. So if you're printing a lot of maps at home, you can you can get that paper and, and use it and not have to worry about that. Ooh, do So speaking of digital maps, what about apps? You guys, you guys real app happy on the trail? All right. So here's my deal. Like I use a bunch of different apps. Like I use Strava, I use Instagram, I use all these things, but I try not to use them like when I'm on the trail. Like if I'm going to shoot a photo or take a GPS file, I might record that or take the photo, but I'm not going to mess around with like posting it to the internet while I'm riding because I'm on the internet all day long, you know, when I'm out riding, I don't want to be doing that. So I've got a lot of apps I use that relate to mountain biking, but I try not to use them on the trail themselves. I guess the one app that I do use on the trail is actually our single tracks app because like most of the time before I head out, I do download topo maps for offline use using our app um, before I hit the trail just in case. And uh, the one time, okay, so we talked about how great paper maps are, but the one thing that digital iPhone maps are great for is when you're not a hundred percent sure like what trail you're on or what tr- portion of the trail you're on. Right. And the single tracks app, if you hit like find me on the map, it'll like show you exactly where you are and like what trail you're on. And lots of times I find that I'm either not on the trail I thought I was or I'm like further along than I thought I was, which 
yeah, it's good to know exactly where you are. So lots of times around here, so you don't get in legal trouble. One thing I've been noticing around here is uh, a lot of the wilderness boundaries aren't marked. And you can legally ride to the wilderness, but not into it. But the single tracks app will have a different shading for the wilderness and it can plug in and be like, oh, I'm almost to the boundary. I better turn around even though there isn't a sign. So stuff like that is very useful um, via the app. Yeah, I don't use a whole lot of stuff while I'm out on the trail either. I use the the single tracks app if I'm if I'm somewhere new and I want to find nearby trails. I'll use it for that. But typically, once I'm out on the trail, I might have Strava running. But again, that you know, my phone won't be like out on my handlebars or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, and I think I use the single tracks app mostly just to get me to the trail. That's kind of the big draw for me is to be able to go to a new trail to put in where I am right now and it'll give me like a map. So really I'm using the Google Maps app, but I start with the single tracks app to <laughs> give me the trailhead coordinates at least. But yeah, yeah, Strava just hit it. A lot of t- a lot of times I start my Strava, I mean especially if I'm not driving, but yeah, I'll just start it like in the house before I go out and I'm not super I don't know, anal about like making sure that I start and stop it right when I'm like, as soon as the tires are rolling, as soon as the tires stop, I gotta stop it. Yeah, just because I'm gonna forget too. So I like when I'm packing up my stuff, I'll just start it and then, you know, hopefully remember to stop it when I get home. But yeah. Okay. So speaking of apps, sounds like we all use our smartphones. We don't like leave them in the car. So how do you guys carry your smartphone when you're on the trail? If it's a short ride, like you, if you, you know, if I'm leaving from the house, I'll put it in a waterproof bag, and it goes in a jersey pocket. For longer rides, it's in the pack. And on longer rides, typically I'm going to be using my Garmin for a GPS anyway. So I'll put the phone in airplane mode, so it'll save the battery, you know, but it'll still be on in case there's an emergency and I need to try to call or someone or anything like that but pro tip strava still works in airplane mode so if you don't have a dedicated gps and you're using strava or a similar app to record your ride you can save some battery and uh, flip it over to airplane mode but your gps will still work so if you didn't know that now you do good tip you said you use a waterproof bag is that a special bag, or you just use, like, Ziploc baggies? If I can't find my waterproof bag, I, I'd use Ziplocs. But, uh, no, I have, like, a like a little Sea to Summit waterproof, like, roll-top bag. Usually I don't. And if it's raining, if, if I, or rain is imminent, then I'll, you know, roll the top down and, you know, make sure it's all good and sealed. But typically I just stuff the phone in there with my ID and, you know, a few bucks and then just fold the top over to keep sweat from getting in there. But... Yeah, you don't want to be sweating on your smartphone. It's not right. Not good for it. I'm I'm Ziploc baggy man, and I found like even the Touch ID works through it. So it's like, yeah, it works really well for me. My phone lives in a waterproof, shockproof case all of its life. So yeah, if I'm doing a short ride, or if I think like I'm going to be referencing a lot again for the map, I toss it in my jersey pocket, and even if I sweat on it, like it's okay. But uh. You know, if I don't think I'm going to be referencing it, like I'm riding a ride, I know, like I put it on airplane mode, stick in my pack, stick it out of sight. Like if somebody breaks a leg and I need a call, that's cool. But no texts or calls on the trails, man. Like I can get back to people like four hours later when I get back. They're still going to be dead if they died while I'm away. So yeah, no communication when I'm out there. 
Well, we've talked a lot about electronics that you bring with you, sort of accessories to the bike. But these days, there's actually electronic stuff happening to the bikes. So we've seen electronic shifting. There's also electronic suspension control. What do you guys think about electronics on the bike? Are you guys stoked to see it happen? Or are you worried that it's going to affect mountain biking in a bad way? Well, okay. I don't think it's going to necessarily affect mountain biking in a bad way, but like I'm also not going to buy any of that stuff, right? <laughs> so if somebody wants to have electronic shifting, electronic suspension tuning, electronic dropper posts, I mean, the whole nine, like that's cool, but I don't think we're going to see mechanical options like disappear either. And I'm not going to go buy any electronic stuff. I love my machine to just be a machine, you know, a mechanical machine, not an electronic machine. But like, I don't think there's an issue if somebody else wants to do that. It's just not for me, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think the mechanical options will go away because they're just going to be inherently cheaper to build, right? So I, don't, I think you're always going to have mechanical available. I mean, even if you look at Shimano with their Dura-Ace group, they were the first one to introduce the electronic shifting, the DI2, and they still offer, they have... They have the electronic group, and then they also offer a Dura-Ace mechanical group because there are people who prefer both. So even at the top end, it's not like, you know, same thing for XTR now that they have an electronic XTR group. It's, you know, you can have mechanical or electronic. Personally, I would, I'd totally rock an electric drivetrain. You know, it's perfect shifts. It's less, it's less to think about. You know, it's, it's easier on your thumb. I know that sounds kind of silly, but if you're on a really long ride, you know, you're not having to, you know, it's it's not mechanical, so you're not using your your thumb for leverage. You're just using your thumb to click a button. So it's they're, the the shifts are super fast. They're really precise. With the Shimano group, you can actually, if you have a two by drivetrain, so you know you're running two rings in the front and then eleven speeds out back, you can program it so you're you still only use one shifter. So even though you have a front and rear derailleur. You can control everything from the right side, and it'll just automatically adjust the front ring depending on what gear you're in. So it can tell if you, you know, if you shift, you know, so far down the cassette, it'll move move into the big ring. So I think it's pretty cool. Uh, and you know, the, the batteries last for for probably hundreds of hours, or and uh, you know, so you don't really have to worry about charging it that often. It's not like your phone where you need to come home and plug it in every night. You know, as far as suspension goes, I think mostly what you're seeing right now, this is all changing, but mostly what you're seeing right now is electronic lockouts for the suspension. So it's basically, you know, switching the compression settings instead of, again, using mechanical leverage. They're using a little servo motor to turn a dial, which seems kind of asinine to me. But if and when it gets to the point where the suspension is, you know, adjusting itself electronically based on the terrain then i actually think that's pretty cool so you know you could be riding along it's kind of like you know specialized tries to do with the brain the rear shock is supposed to switch from you know open to close depending on you know what what the rear wheel is encountering so i think if you can make that happen in a passive way so i'm not you know having to do anything i'm just riding along and the suspension is constantly adjusting itself i think that's pretty cool and this is all assuming that it works well, of course. Right, right. Didn't Magura have something like that recently? Yeah. They had a thing that, I and think it could tell like slope. So it had some kind of 
thing in it. Right, that, that fork. Yeah, yeah, they could tell if you were, like, pointed down or up, and it would adjust the suspension. And Cannondale did a thing called Simon, like, five years ago or something that was supposedly the same idea where it was just constantly, like, adjusting itself, front and rear suspension. So it seems like it is just a matter of time before that happens. And, yeah, I'm not sure where I stand on that, but... Yeah, at least I don't have to decide yet. And it'll all be very expensive for a very long time, too. So, like Greg said, I mean, this stuff is its cool, and I would try it, but I don't know if I'd buy it either. So <laughs> I can reach down and flip a lever with my, with my hand and save a few hundred dollars for it. So, yeah, I don't think electronic drivetrains are taking over anytime soon. Right. Well, we've <laughs> talked about a number of electronic items for mountain biking. So I wanted to ask you guys a final question. Is there sort of a digital line that you won't cross? Is there any part of mountain biking or anything that, that you just know you'll never use or you're never going to never gonna take it that far? Oh, here's one I just thought of. Not in my notes, but heads-up displays and like being plugged in live to the internet. Ooh, yeah. Like I'm not, I'm never going to do that on the trail. Like, you know, Google Glass type things, like, text coming in on my on my sunglasses like nah like i ride my bike to get away from the crap to get away from the social media to get away from you know being bombarded by push notifications so i'm leaving all that stuff at home turning the phone in airplane mode and like i ride to disconnect from that i mean maybe i actually i don't know why you would need that stuff like Maybe if you're trying to work while you're on the trail, but then why would you do that anyway? I don't know. So, yeah, that's probably like an actual line. Like, it'd be like, no, not doing it. Yeah, I don't, I, I guess, no e-bikes. I know that's not really. <laughs> yes. That's not really a gadget, but, uh, yeah, I don't, at least for the time being, I don't see myself riding an e-bike. But, yeah, otherwise, I don't, yeah, like, I'm not doing the, the Google Glass heads-up display. I think there was one that was marketed towards uh, mountain bikers a couple of years ago. I think it was called Recon or something like that. Yeah. And it was supposed yeah, it was to like be... goggles. Yeah, it was like goggles and, like, an earpiece so you could talk to your friend that was riding the trail with you because apparently you can't do that unless you have... Right. Well, the motorcycle guys have that. Well, true, but they're doing, like, you know, they've got full-face helmets right. on and they're hauling ass. Yeah, I don't know exactly what you'd say. You'd be like, you having fun back there, bro? <laughs> cool, me too. All right, let's keep riding. <laughs> no, I, I uh, like Greg, I, I ride to, you know, kind of clear my head and do some thinking and get away from all that jazz. So, uh, you know, I do get on that on the Garmin that I have, if it's connected to your phone via Bluetooth, you can actually get text message and call alerts, which I don't use when I'm out in the, the back country because my phone is in airplane mode. But if I'm riding around town, sometimes it is, I will say it's kind of nice to see like if there's a call coming in, if this is something I need to stop and answer, or, you know, if, if there's a text that I, you know, like Susan's telling me I need to get home for some reason or whatever, you know, it, it's kind of nice because then it lets you decide whether or not you need to respond right away. But if I'm on some group text about where to ride over the weekend and it, it like keeps going off, that's actually pretty annoying because you know I'll look down and my screen's always like new text, new text, new text. I'm like no, just <laughs> leave me alone. I'm trying to ride. Yeah, you know I think I'll always be interested in trying new stuff and seeing if I like it on the trail. But 
I think like you guys have kind of alluded to, every ride is different, you know. So some rides, maybe I will listen to music if it's a really long, boring training ride, whereas most other rides I won't. So, yeah, I think it's it's real situational for me how much tech I, I want to have. And, you know, that's the nice thing is you can you don't have to do the same thing every time. You can try new stuff and go with different gear kits depending on what you're doing and where you're going. Well, great. This has been a fun discussion about technology. I'm sure there will be more discussions like this in the future as more weird and rad stuff comes out. <laughs> so if you are interested in using an app on your smartphone, and you know, obviously we talked up the Singletracks app, the Singletracks app is available for Android and iPhone. There's a free version, which you can use to find trails and read reviews and look at photos. Um, and then there's also a paid option, just four bucks, and you can get unlimited trail maps that you can save to use offline, use to navigate while you're on the trail. So thanks for joining us this week. Talk to you again next week. Peace.